If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. We really have to work with the container theory that, you know, if it's exploding out of the container, if it's exploding out of the room, then it's going to feel cluttered and it's not going to feel light and at peace. Hello and welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. I'm your host, Susan Smith, coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. If you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on a quilt top with a 50-pound pencil with needle and thread attached at high speed. My philosophy is there's nothing as warm and comforting as a handmade quilt, and so my mission is to get as many out in the world as possible. So I quilt for people, and I teach others to find freedom and joy in quilting for themselves. There are so many quilt makers and just as many stories. Quilting has been a bridge between generations. It has soothed loneliness and chronic pain, and it's been a beautiful expression of art and creativity that spans countries and cultures. Today, Kim Soper of Feel Good Fibers will be joining me for a visit. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles, with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. In last week's tip, I talked about to quilt or not to quilt over really bulky seam allowances in your project. But sometimes you will encounter these really thick intersections of multiple seams and the hopper foot of your long arm or the presser foot of your domestic machine just gets so hung up on them. So here's what you can do. First off, ideally you will have assessed your quilt before you load it and you'll be aware if these are in place because it's much easier to deal with them while not on a quilting frame. And then what you'll need is a hard surface to pound on like maybe your floor or a good solid piece of wood and then either a rubber mallet or just a household hammer and wrap some batting around the head of it and give a good stiff thump or two or three to that thick seam allowance and it will magically compress significantly. You'll be pleasantly surprised at how much that compresses. Now you should be able to quilt over it, resulting in a nice flat quilt top. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan, where for the price of one delicious coffee, you're able to make a one-time contribution. This helps me get a better microphone and enables me to keep bringing you these weekly episodes. Thank you so much for your support, and maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Kim Soper is the co-founder of Feel Good Fibers, 
a marketplace for sewists to buy and sell fabric from one another's stash. She's also an award-winning quilter, known for projects such as the In Our Own Words quilt and Lincoln. And beginning in May, you'll be able to find her as a columnist for Love Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. Today, I'm welcoming Kim Smith-Soper into my studio. And Smith, by the way, is a great name to have. I share that one. (laughs) So I am so excited to have you here, Kim. Thank you so much for having me. I first found you actually when you were being a guest on another podcast, but you were talking about decluttering our sewing spaces. And, you know, we hear lots and lots and lots about decluttering our homes and our living environments. But that was my first introduction to being really focused on decluttering my work area. And I sew and quilt for a living. So this fascinated me. So tell me a bit about that philosophy and how you help people do that. Sure. Thanks so much. Um, So the belief is that having a more intentional sewing space that's curated only with things that we love and projects that we want to work on can help us to be our best creative selves. And so through articles on our blog at Feel Good Fibers and through one-to-one decluttering sessions and even an occasional um, once a year group declutter that we all do called Declutter to D-Stash, I basically encourage sewists to get rid of the things that they no longer love. And when I say get rid, I don't mean put in the trash, but either sell or donate or find another place for those things that aren't really making them feel like they're inspired in their sewing room. So would you have any great inspirational stories about students, colleagues, collaborators that have done that? Because I know that was my takeaway from that podcast episode was that permission, if you will, to let myself pass on the things that no longer inspired me. Sure. Um, I mean, I've worked with a lot of sewists at this point, and I feel like the transformation, um, the mindset shift that people make after realizing that they don't have to necessarily hold on to everything and that they don't have to purchase something every single time that they go to the fabric store just because there is a great deal. It doesn't mean that they have to bring it home with them. They can appreciate it for what it is, but then recognize that there might not be something that they need to use it for right now and hold off on purchasing it so that they can be more intentional with their space. Um, I really work on helping people to set limits, either based on the size of their space or the size of the container that they want to keep things in or whatever it might be. But when people realize that they don't have to do those things, it's like the light bulb goes off and they realize that they can apply that same mindset shift to everything in their life, not just their sewing room. Agreed. And of course, for me, the magic permission was, I don't have to finish every project I ever started. I can move on to things that inspire me and give me joy. Absolutely. That is a huge one for so many because we feel like we chose to start it or we chose to purchase this project and we should finish it and should I put in air quotes. But, um, you know, as creators, who we were at the time that we purchased a project might not be who we are today because we're constantly growing in skills. Our aesthetic is changing. We're desiring to stretch ourselves more. And the projects that appealed to us that we didn't have the time for might not be something that we want to do anymore. And I say, 
why spend all that time stressed out with something that you no longer want to make or why work on something you don't enjoy working on? This is our hobby. We should be doing it because we love it and we enjoy it, not because we feel obliged to do something. Absolutely. And would you agree that exploration is at least half of creativity? And once you get beyond exploration into have to, you lose creativity? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely think that the, the most enjoyable part of having quilting as our hobby is that it takes us out of all of the other things that are in our life that are weighing us down and, you know, making us feel like there's things that we have to do. And it allows us that freedom to be the creator, the maker. And when you bring that sense of obligation into the sewing room, then you lose that freedom that sewing actually gives you from the rest of life and the rest of your burdens and obligations. Exactly. Well said. So in I'm, I receive your newsletter too. So in recent posts, you've been talking about your 100 days project. Tell me more about that. Sure. Um, I signed up for the 100 day project based on a friend. She encouraged me to do it. And she got to, I think, maybe day 16. And then there I was <laughs> working on this project and I had committed to it. So I decided to just see it through. Um, my project was to make one quilt block a day based on the view out my window from my sewing room. And so my quilt block included a little house that was the one constant in every single block. And then based on how the weather and our yard changed based on the seasons, because we started the last day of January and ended in May, um, that was how each block changed based on my interpretation of that. I love that idea. So a thought just came to me while you're saying that. And this this is the type of project that you do have to decide to stick to. So sometimes there's value then in persevering and getting through the other side. Did you Definitely. find that in your in your 100 days to be true? I did. But at the same time, I can say as much as it was difficult and there were days that I didn't want to stick with it, at the end of the day, I still knew that I wanted to do this project. And so I think that's the difference between a project that's difficult and a project that you feel obligated to work on. I still really wanted to see this through. Whereas other times, you know, there's projects that you just know you don't want to make. <laughs> mm -hmm. But for this, I think there was huge value in sticking with it because I taught myself the fact that I can do something that's hard and I can see things through. And so for me, it was more a mental lesson than anything else. And I think that you had a particular motivation and that's what kept you at it and a reason for doing it. I can hear that. Yeah. So another thing that I've read quite a bit about on your website, you have a blog and you have featured quilters and it's called, correct me if I'm wrong, Feel Good Features. Yes. And you feature a lot of other sewists. Do you have any great examples you can tell us about them and direct people to listeners to where they could find those? Sure, absolutely. Um, the Feel Good Features is meant to feature um, sewists that either work with sustainable materials or that practice infusing their work with intention. And so we've featured a number of artists at this point, um, Ellie Hernandez, um, Shayla Jessup, um, 
I'm trying to think who else uh, off the top of my head. <laughs> um, Kate Kilmurray. Yep. Yes. Some of the ones that I was reading were, um, I know I overuse the word inspiring, but it's really true. They told their stories of where they found their fabrics and materials and what lengths they went to to reuse or to adapt or to recreate. And I just found that so amazing. And it made me want to rush out and start, you know, sourcing my fabrics from garage sales and thrift stores. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, not only what you can make with the fabrics that already exist in the world, but also how different the works are that people are creating using these sourced materials. Um, I mean, Kate Kilmurray uses organic fabric loops to make these very simple weavings that she uses as weaving as meditation. Then um, Belen Parisi is taking all kinds of sourced from vintage finds and flea markets to make her quilts and her aesthetic. Eliu is using jeans. He's kind of known as the denim king, and he is making all of his quilts out of denim. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, we just had so many, so many so far, and they're all so inspiring in their own way. I totally agree. And the end result for each of them is an utterly unique creation every time. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's which, amazing. Which makes it so worthwhile. Okay, so tell me another thing. Your Feel Good Fibers website, a big component of that is your uh, D-Stash store area. Can you tell our listeners about that and maybe where they would, why they would want to join and where they could do that? Sure. Um, Feel Good Fibers is a marketplace for quilters to sell their secondhand fabric that they no longer love to one another. So it's a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace. Um, currently, we are U.S.-based only but we're hoping to expand to Canada at some point. Um, right now we're still relatively small, but um, it's meant to give quilters a quilt store, online quilt store experience when shopping for fabrics, but to be able to shop from one another's stashes. And of course, everything there is loaded with photographs and so there's lots and lots of um, ways to see what you're purchasing and I noticed too that you feature some artists who curate fabric bundles so if you need a springboard point um, can you tell us more about that or where we could find some of those curated bundles sure in our newsletter we um, have a so celebrity curator each uh, time the newsletter goes out and basically they will pull from the site the fabrics that they would like to purchase, but they are sharing their picks with our newsletter followers. And um, it's just a way to kind of inspire people, alert them to things that they might not have found on the website if they're a little bit deeper in the website. And a lot of times um, it'll be a pattern designer that might recommend fabrics that would look good in one of their patterns. And it's a way to kind of introduce our audience to that particular designer, as well as have that designer help curate for us. So it's a win-win all around. But from the point of the view of quilt makers, um, often it's very intimidating to go out and group fabrics that are not in, you know, in one particular line. So this kind of takes mm -hmm. the guesswork out of it for us, doesn't it? Exactly. That's awesome. Um, tell me a little more, too, about your, you said earlier on the phrase making with intention or creating with intention. That seems to really be part of your philosophy, too. Define that for us. Sure. Um, I think it's different for everybody. I actually, in 2018, did a year-long project where I interviewed 52 
quilters. And that was one of the questions that I asked them. It was, how do you define making with intention? And there were so many answers. Um, there is no right answer, but for me, it means that you're doing it where it's from your own choice. And it's making those choices with an awareness. And so for me, that's the materials that I work with, knowing what impact they can have on the earth, knowing how it makes me feel in my sewing room and just the whole process. I just want it to be something where I'm choosing. That's beautiful. And I bet you did from 52 quilters have about 100 ideas of how to define that term. <laughs> I know how we are. I know for for me, one of my making with intention points would be, I often gift my quilts. So it's with intention toward the recipient, toward mm -hmm. the person I'm making it for and my thoughts about them and what I want to be giving them as part of this project. Did you see that across the people that you interviewed too? Or were there some other kind of surprising intentions? Absolutely. Infusing the stitches with love for whoever the recipient is of the gift or a prayer or a mantra definitely came up. Um, again, a lot of times it was the materials that people were choosing to use in their quilt. Um, it was 2018, so my memory <laughs> isn't 100%. But um, there were definitely lots of different reasons that people came to the whole project focused on why people chose to quilt and so a lot of times it was intertwined with their answer about why they chose to quilt and how that was their intention so i'm curious why did you choose to quilt uh, when i first started quilting it was because i wanted to make a quilt for my son that was in my belly at the time and my mom had always been a quilter when I was a kid, and I wasn't really drawn to it until I started seeing modern fabrics and becoming a part of that modern movement. But as I kept going, I realized that it was very tactile, and I loved that I could make something from one thing and just turn it into something else and have that connection and that really just got me into it. And from there, the possibilities. Sometimes I would stay up at night thinking about all the possibilities of quilts that I could make. <laughs> Don't we all? It's true. <laughs> and I think there must be as many quilting aesthetics out there as there are quilters, too. That's kind of an awkward way to phrase it. But I just see no end to the different interpretations that makers can mm -hmm. have, whether it's color or shape or design. It just, it's an absolutely incredible thing. Quilting truly is So therapy. many possibilities, yes. Another thing that I saw on your website is some weekly features. You seem to have a theme. You have these kind of um, themes going on that people can jump in and follow. But I saw Monday Resets, for example. What's that all about? So Monday Reset is just a way to um, help quilters to have one simple tip of how they could reset their sewing room for that week. So one week it might be changing your needle on your sewing machine. Another week it might be clearing off your cutting board or another week it'd be changing the blade on your rotary cutter. They're just simple tips that are quick but that we sometimes forget to do. And then it can actually kind of I don't want to say snowball, but maybe, you know, once you get started and you realize, oh, there's something else that I can do to make my sewing room a little bit better. And it's really just about 
better, not necessarily about making things perfect or making it look like Pinterest. It's just about making it better for you to be able to be your best creative self. I love that philosophy. I feel like it is all too easy to get under the load of guilt. My sewing room doesn't look picture perfect. You know, my organization is, you know, wouldn't score an A. Does that really matter? No, because it's all about the feeling that you have in your sewing room. And I think there's a lot of times that we feel pressure when we see images online that everything needs to be in rainbow order on white shelves with perfectly matching lucite containers. And I don't think that that's really what matters. What matters is, do you feel like your sewing room or wherever you're sewing, even if it's a corner of your bedroom, does it feel like your sanctuary? And the fabric doesn't have to be folded perfectly, but you do have to love all the fabric that's there. Mm -hmm. So because I do sew and quilt for a business, to me, it is rather critical that I can see all that I have available, whether it's tools or fabric or thread or whatever. So would you have some great tips for someone who does want to make their studio their sanctuary? Love that word. How can you make it, you know, accessible and useful um, without investing a ton of time or thought into it? What are your first steps? Um, the first thing to me is that you have to work with the space that you have. So if your space is small, it means you have to have less stuff. And if your space is larger, then that means that you can have more things in it because there's going to be the room for it. I think we really have to work with the container theory that, you know, if it's exploding out of the container, if it's exploding out of the room, then it's going to feel cluttered and it's not going to feel light and at peace which is what you really want in your room. So I think that's the first step is to work with the room that you have and not wish that it was something else, but just to make the room that you have be the best room that it possibly can be. And then from there, I think you have to sort and you know decide what things are really worth keeping and be willing to part with the rest. Thank it for, you know, as Marie Kondo says, thank it for serving you and what it taught you. Because I do think that we make purchases and we learn from every single thing, whether we like it or not, and then let it go. <laughs> I so agree. Couldn't agree more. So maybe from here, let our listeners know what your services are because you help people walk through this decluttering process, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed. Sure. Um, on Feel Good Fibers, we have uh, sessions that you can sign up for. Um, they are three decluttering sessions with me one-on-one, -on -one, and they're 30 minutes each. And I will encourage you and support you and work with you to get your room under control in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming. We go based on what works for you, what works for your space, and what your goals are that you want to achieve. So that sounds excellent. So I will be sure and put links to your website and to some of these things that you're hosting um, in the show notes so that folks can find you easily. That would be and wonderful. Thank you. This has been a real, a real treat. Thank you so much for coming. And again, I'm inspired. There's that word again to go and start, you know, rustling through my drawers and seeing what things I can let go and pass on maybe to another quilter who would like to try out that tool or that piece of fabric and make my space wonderful. more manageable. Thank you so much, Kim. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. And thank you for tuning into the show. For information on classes I offer or quilting services, please see my website, stitchedbysusan.com. 
If you're a long-arm quilter and looking for freehand tips, take advantage of the live and unscripted episodes on my Facebook page, Stitched by Susan. Replays are also available on my YouTube channel, also Stitched by Susan. And if pictures are your preference, check out my Pinterest galleries of edge-to-edge and custom quilting projects. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.